Welcome to The Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner, and my guest today is Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Wilner. I'm so honored to be here. Kate, I'm excited. Well, before we get started, just give me 60 seconds because I want to thank my listeners, whether this is the first program you're listening to or the 50th, because today's program is the 50th episode of The Art of Medicine. And uh, that's pretty exciting. I did some research on this and uh, not every podcast that starts out, this one started out two years ago, makes it to number 50. And uh, we're halfway to number 100 and uh, definitely gonna get there. I've already got guests lined up uh, through, uh, well, we're recording today. This is uh, the end of October. Uh, this program will probably air in a month or two. And I've got guests through already uh, the beginning of next year. And uh, also have an interest in, you know, diversity and inclusion. And I looked at the list of my 50 guests and there's uh, women of color and there's writers and there's financial people and spiritual people and wellness people. And uh, I feel like I'm on the way to accomplishing my mission, which is to talk about the art of medicine and uh, really get a, a breath of all the talent that's out there. So uh, no pressure, but you're number 50, Kate. So uh, I exciting. <laughs> guarantee that this is gonna be uh, an interesting and exciting uh, episode. So probably I don't even have to, to say why you're here. You just tell me a little bit about yourself and it's gonna become clear. For sure. Okay. So I am a pediatric radiologist and I am married to a pediatric radiation oncologist. We have three young children, four, two, and a baby and a poodle. And I am passionate about helping women physicians fight less with their spouses, love more and invest smarter. And I do that on my, my podcast, Medicine, Marriage and Money, and in my coaching program. And um, I just have a real passion in life for relationships and communication, and which I know we may or may not be talking about, and, and dancing and just connecting, like, right, human connecting, love and connection, growth and contribution, what it's all about. So you're obviously a high achiever and a high energy person. Um, I guess the question, the first question that would come to my mind is, and I'm sure people ask you every day, is how do you find time to do all of those things and not have you know, lines under your eyes and bags under your eyes like most uh, mothers of uh, three <laughs> children? So Okay, well, I'm so glad you asked. And by the way, um, yeah, I guess I never even think about the bags, but to be honest, I just do things. I, I just, you know, think and share, think and share. Nothing has to be perfect, right? Like if I wanted everything to be perfect that I did, nothing would get done. Like, look here today, I'm not even wearing any makeup because I did schedule time in my morning to put the makeup on. I could have done it, but instead I held my baby. I nursed my baby. I did, you know, I did a coaching session. I did another podcast interview and uh, I messaged with my admin about some pediatric radiology stuff because today is actually an admin day. So it's day I do when I'm not coaching and podcasting. I do my admin stuff on Wednesdays. So I just do a little bit of everything. And of course, as physicians are like, well, no, you have to be perfect. It has to be 
A++, right? If, and of course, when it comes to patient care and treating our patients and how I read my scans, the diagnostic scans, the CTs and MRIs and x-rays, that is different, right? And that is something I have perfected or tried to perfect over the past, what has it been? Like 12, 15 years of my training and career and things that I still will ask my colleagues questions if I have answers, but everything else, it's just for fun. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I love my career and it's for fun too, but everything else, nobody's going to die, right? If my podcast is not perfect, if I'm coaching my client and whatever they're getting in that moment is, is exactly what they need to get. And the same thing for me, you know, however many hours I have to spend with my children at night is going to be the perfectly imperfect amount of hours that I need to spend with them. And so how am I going to just create that, the uh, presence that I want, you know, the mindfulness that I want around that, maybe if it's an hour or two hours. And so I just, I just do, you just think and you share and you connect. And because I get that question a lot, actually. And I've been, and I actually have been thinking about it this morning. Um, And it's just, it's just about, it's just about being present and connecting and thinking and sharing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I'm not sure how to translate that into my day to day, but uh, it seems that it works for you. So <laughs> that's that's already a great start. And I think you know I'm a neurologist, and neurologists are are probably uh, pretty guilty of trying to be uh, perfect and very detail oriented and uh, i do pride myself on that certainly in my work and it carries over to other things i do but i kind of like that you know release it's like well it doesn't have to be perfect i i would say i rarely say that about anything and uh, it does make life a little more difficult you know when you're trying to make it perfect because i mean anyone with any sense will tell you that people are not perfect right uh, as much as we may all try to be, uh, it's a, that's kind of doomed, right, to failure. So that's not a good goal, at least not an achievable goal. And maybe near perfect isn't even worthwhile, right? Why even bother to be, you know, perfect? So that that takes a lot of pressure off. I, I, when you're when you're wanting to help people outside of medicine, who's waiting? Like, who's watching? for you to be perfect, right? Like there's always gonna be haters or there's always gonna be trolls that will nitpick every single thing you do. If you're big enough, you're gonna have those people in your life. And so that's, I mean, that's when we say congratulations, you know, you've made it. So, but you just have to, you have to do things because they're fun and enjoyable and they're helping people. If you wanna help people, the more things that, the less perfect you are at, at things, I, I think, the more people you can help because you're kinder to yourself. You're more self, you have more self-compassion. You're more loving to yourself. And then it becomes easier to be more loving and self-compassionate for other people. Now, I know you're a certified life coach, right? Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> now, did you learn this philosophy when you, you know, went to coaching school or were you just kind of born with it? Oh no, I was wanted to be a perfectionist. Okay, so I guess I've learned it over my life. I was a crazy perfectionist, I would say in high school. And then I learned in medical school, it it didn't always work that way. Like if I wanted to be de depressed and sad in my dorm room all the time studying, 
okay, that's, that's how I could be perfect, but it wasn't fun. So I, I think before coaching, yes, for sure. I started letting a little bit looser, but it never really focused on it so much until I did go to coaching school and realizing what it all meant, like what, what the story of my life has been and then how to move forward from that, how to achieve more, right? How to, how to be more successful, how I can be more successful and help more people and what that looks like. So it certainly helped hundred percent realize what is perfectionism and how is it getting in my way and how I can break free from that. Okay. So give me a window into your week's calendar. How does it all balance out? Uh, you okay. Know, today's Monday, wake up. I mean, are you one of these people that wakes up at 4 a.m., you run a marathon, then you come back and make breakfast with the family. I mean, how, how, do, how do you do all that? No, no. My, no, my power morning routine is to wake up and breastfeed my newborn. I mean, and I've been doing that for like four years, right? Because I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn. So it's pretty much been like that for, for the past four and a half years. Um, and, and, and I do, I do always kind of take a, a second to regroup and ask myself what I'm grateful for today. Uh, and, and then what, what kind of things I'm going to accomplish today that are going to get me closer to my life goals. And that's different than to-do list, right? Like I have all these things to do. Those are already written down and penciled in on my calendar for the next month or two months. So I don't worry about that because if I forget what's it needs to be done. I can look at that. But if I'm not doing things that are building or um, helping me to my to accomplish my life goals, then why am I really doing them? So I ask myself that every morning as I'm present with the kids while they're getting ready, getting scooted out the door by their nanny. But I do go to clinical, you know, to the hospital three days a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Wednesdays, I'm in the hospital. And Mondays, Wednesdays, I'm either doing admin stuff from home or coaching and podcasting. And I have found or socializing with my friends now that all my friends are vaccinated and I can get back out there on in outdoor settings. Um, I have found that this is kind of just the perfect balance of what I need in my life right now. Not to say this is not going to change in a week or in a month when one of my kids no longer wants to sleep through the night. Like I, I still have, I still do wake up multiple times a night. So, and I am not running marathons. I used to be a crazy um, serious about Pilates and yoga. And then before that at the gym all the time, but these things change, but I don't beat myself up about it. Right. That I don't make it to the gym every day anymore. I just know someday I'm going to get back at it when I can get out and walk. I will. Um, so I guess it's just, it's constantly changing. So it's hard to say that I have a set routine every single week or every single month, especially when I have young kids that are changing all the time. Now, I, I did hear a word there uh, that I want to repeat, and that was nanny. Yes. So, oh, yes. Um, you, yes. Uh, you're not trying to do everything by yourself. Ah, this is exactly it. I ask for help. And I think once you have three kids, that becomes so easy. You're like, give me all the help. Like, you want to help me? Yeah, come, come, come over, come help. Like when I had my first baby, uh-uh, I could do it all myself. No matter if I didn't have time to spend with my husband or not. I quickly realized uh, when I had the second child that I needed to start asking for more help. I, we even had an au pair for a live, uh, an au pair for a year who lived in our home. But right now, 
Our perfect situation is a nanny. She's worked with us about, for about a year and a half. She happens to have three sisters, two of whom babysit for me regularly on the weekends. So I welcome the help and I don't consider her interfering with my life or raising my children like I am still there, but she helps get all the stuff done, the stuff that's not enjoyable to me and, and enhances everybody's life. Mine, my children, my relationship with my children, my relationship with my spouse. All right. I'm going to ask you uh, a sensitive question just to kind of put all this in perspective. If I add your husband on the show, yes, I asked him, do you think your wife has a balanced routine, you know, has achieved, you know, work-life balance uh, as well as a human being can, which yes. she seems to think so. Do, do, does he think so too? Oh, absolutely. He, I'm sure he wishes he could be me sometimes. <laughs> what, what I mean by that is since I'm a radiologist and I am able to leave the, my work list and somebody else will take over it. Um, I am able to, to cut down my clinical. Like it was very easy for me. I mean, I did put in my notice like a year and a half ahead of time that I wanted to go from 1.0 FTE to 0.7 FTE, but that was just a very easy switch. Mentally, it was very difficult for me. Hmm. Like I had to overcome a lot of hurdles of what that meant to become a part-time physician, which is not something I ever thought I would be, right? Who goes to medical school wanting to be a part-time physician? Like I am still a physician though. And I still give my patients and my scans hundred percent, you know, and my residents, my fellows that educate. But so that was a mental hurdle, but it was a very easy switch for me. For my husband, that would be way more difficult um, for various reasons. But he has a clinical practice where he's following patients. Yes. And uh, well, I've been in that situation myself because I'm a writer. And when you're a writer, even without a family, work-life balance is impossible because you know I'm a full-time physician, but writing is also a full-time job. So it's immediately an impossible situation and a dilemma. But um, I tried to sort of take a half day off from, from my clinical practice years ago. It, it never worked out. You know, I had the, the quote, the afternoon off so I could at least catch up so that when the weekend came and I would write, I, I, a whole week hadn't gone by, but I'd always end up stuck in the office, something, always last minute things. So I'd leave it too, you know, for my afternoon off. Of course, I'd only get paid until like, you know, noon. And by the time I got home, you know, and settled down, it was three o'clock. So I had two hours to myself on my half day, you know, off. So that doesn't work uh, in clinical practice. Working half, unless, well, we can talk about locums for a minute. You know, locums is a way to throw yourself in there full time and then take a break. And I did that for many years and that actually worked, worked for me. But I, I appreciate your husband's uh, situation because uh, you take Thursday afternoon off. I mean, doctors used to take, you know, golf days off. Those days are gone. You know, there's always an emergency. Somebody wants something. There's charts to sign. There's meetings. There's, you know, patients in crisis. There's a new technology. I mean, it is 24-7 if you're involved with a hospital. And then, of course, if you're in private practice, there's the whole business aspect. That never stops. Exactly. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said for uh, radiology. <laughs> oh, exactly, because he's in private practice and I am academic, you know, I am working for somebody else. So hugely different. 
I'm going to ask you one more question. I was looking at, you know, your bio notes and there's this line of things, you know, that you discuss and one of them says, I'm going to read it. Why communication is not the key to a successful marriage and conflict resolution skills. So enlighten me because I always hear, oh yeah, communicate, communicate, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're saying that's not the answer. So yeah. And while communication skills are important, why are they are not the key to a successful relationship is because we often think that we'll just have to talk. We just have to talk, right, to be heard or to be to seen. And as long as we're voicing our, our opinions and our um, wants and our expectations, then all of a sudden the relationship will be successful. And I beg to differ because the key to a sexful, successful relationship lies within yourself. Right? If you want to be having a successful marriage, then you need to work on yourself first, right? Showing up as the wife or the mother or the friend. I mean, the wife here is what I'm talking about that I want to be. So really, and my relationship with my husband, it's only made up of the thoughts in my head about our relationship. Hmm. That's it. Because he could say something or do something and if I react to it, well, I'm obviously having a thought that's causing me to react to it. If I avoid his, whatever he's saying to me, it's because for some reason I might be scared or, you know, not wanting to voice my opinion back. So if I am saying positive things about our relationship to myself, loving things, appreciative things, then that's the relationship I'm going to create. And just by thinking that way and feeling loving then the communication will be loving, right? But it can, but so it's, it's less focus on, hey, change your tone, change your words, and more focus on, let's look inside yourself and figure out, you know, are you showing up as the person you'd want to live with? And the, the friend you would want to have, you know, a spouse you would want to have. And if not, why, right? And so it's, and, and if, and if you can't be happy and love yourself, then you really are not ready to love somebody else. And that is why I do not believe communication is the key. I'm going to add just a little bit to that. Um, although I'm not a certified life coach, but you make me think that, you know, set, suppose your husband, he comes home at eight o'clock at night right? Supposed to be home at six. I don't know. So one approach would be, gee, you know, you're home at eight. I got three kids here. I got my own work to do. You're being selfish. You're staying at work. You're not chipping in. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. I'm leaving. So that would be kind of one approach. The other approach would be, well, gee, honey, you're home at eight o'clock at night. I'm sure you wanted to come home earlier. Something must have happened at work that really stressed you out or took your time and uh, if you want to tell me about it, you know, you can while we're doing the laundry because you're home late and you didn't get done. You know, I mean, so you could really take two completely opposite approaches to the same event. What, what do they call that in coaching? That must have a name. Is that some sort well, of strategy? Uh, so it's really just deciding what you're going to make the situation mean. Um, like you're, you're viewing, you're remembering to keep hit yourself in his shoes a little bit or your spouse's shoes, right? You're looking at things through a different lens. Like it's not all about me. 
when you start, when you start to realize it's not all about me, he wasn't leaving me at home with the three kids. He wasn't being, you know, there was more to the story. And I think we often forget that everybody has a story. Everybody is human and everybody's going to feel, um, upset. Like we come uh, come to a situation just with our emotions and we forget to think that allow other people to have those same emotions. We want other people to be happy all the time. Right. But are we happy all the time? No. And, and then we also think we have to fix things. And oftentimes we don't, we just have to be there and be supportive. Cool. All right. So if uh, somebody wants to get a hold of you, either to read a pediatric X-ray or uh -huh. more likely to have get some uh, life coaching advice, where can they find you? Yes, so my podcast is called Medicine, Marriage, and Money. It's also my website, medicinemarriageandmoney.com. Medicine, because I became a doctor first, then I got married, then I started making money. So it's medicine, marriage, and money. And that's where you can reach me. I also have a free guide, a medical marriage survival guide um, for physicians in love. So you can actually take actionable steps today if you're working on things like how to get along with the in-laws, parenting, money, intimacy. So household chores, like exactly what you're saying with the laundry. So, um, and I, I'm totally open, answer all my own emails. And if you find me on social media, Medicine, Marriage and Money on Instagram and Facebook, um, I am here and would welcome any feedback. I love, I love providing relationship advice for as many people as I can. Dr. Miragona, it has been a pleasure and you lived up to my expectations for our 50th episode. And I want to thank you for being on The Art of Medicine. Well, thank you so much and congratulations. Thank you. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on the art of medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The Art of Medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe www.andrewwilner.com